After I was born again and began to go to church, I never considered anything would be wrong at the church. I was just so happy with what God had done with me and for me as he translated me from the world into his kingdom. It never occurred to me that anything could be wrong at church until I read Matthew 24 and God opened my eyes to see. Matthew 24, verse 1. And Jesus went out and departed from the temple, and his disciples came to him for to show him the buildings of the temple. And Jesus said unto them, See ye not all these things? Verily I say unto you, There shall not be left here one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privily, saying, Tell us, when shall these things be? And what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? And Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. When I first read verse 5, For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many, I thought that meant they would come saying they were Christ and deceive many. And then God opened my eyes to see that these were going to be counterfeit Christians. They would come saying, Jesus is Lord. And because they said that, many people would think they were of God. And they would be able to deceive many that way. I believe that's the first time I ever saw that there could be wrongdoing at the church. And I suspect it's the first time I ever saw that there could be people at the church who weren't of God. After I was born again, the first church that I went to was a non-denominational church in Dallas, Texas called Believer's Chapel. Their pastors were professors at Dallas Theological Seminary. They seemed very respectable and very scholarly. But the thing they were teaching is that tongues are of the devil. Now, I didn't even know what a tongue was. And I really didn't care about it. But one day I was reading in 1 Corinthians 14. And I read this passage of scripture. Verse 
39. Wherefore, brethren, covet to prophesy, and forbid not to speak with tongues. Well, not only were they forbidding at church to speak with tongues, they were teaching tongues were of the devil. This could not be right. It was exactly opposite to what the Apostle Paul was saying in the Holy Bible, which is authored by the Spirit of God. My best friend and her husband attended that church. And one day Donna and I were riding along in the car. She was driving, and I said, Oh, by the way, Donna, did you know that Paul said, Forbid not to speak with tongues? And she just stopped the car, pulled it off the side of the road, and said, Where is that? And I took the little Bible out of my purse that I always had with me, and showed her. And she said, well, it does say that. And here we were attending a church where they were forbidding speaking with tongues and teaching it was of the devil. So she said, let's go to my house and look at all the translations of the Bible that we have. So we did. And every one of them said, Forbid not to speak with tongues. I said to Donna, well, I'm not going to go back to that church. And she said, I'm not going to go back there either. There was no hesitation in my mind. If a church is teaching something opposite from the Bible, that's not where I'm going. So many people who identify themselves as Christians simply follow their friends and their family to a church, and they don't seem to think about this question. Are they teaching something that is not in the Bible at this church? The minute I was confronted with this issue as a new Christian, I knew immediately the word of God rules over the church. So if they're teaching something opposite from the Holy Bible, I'm not going there. It was an easy question for me to answer. But it seems like many people just follow their friends and family to church and never really consider the message they are teaching at that church group. If it is opposite to the Bible, it is anti-Christ. There isn't any way you can go to that group. It's opposite to Christ. Another thing God taught me as I was reading the Bible as a new Christian was a passage of scripture in Matthew chapter 16. Start at verse 13. When Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? 
And they said, Some say that thou art John the Baptist, and some Elias, and other Jeremiah's, or one of the prophets. He saith unto them, But whom say ye that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I also say unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And God showed me immediately that the rock he was speaking of, upon which the church would be built, was that word that comes down from heaven. Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven, the revealed word of God. And I say unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock the revealed word of God. I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it, against the revealed word of God. So if God has spoken a word to us, it will never fail. Another scripture that God spoke to me very, very early on in the years when I first became a Christian. John chapter 5, verse 30. Jesus said, I can of mine own self do nothing. I was just so shocked at that. This is the Son of God saying, of his own self he can do nothing. And then he went on to say, as I hear from God, I judge. He said, as I hear, I judge. But I knew it was he would hear from God the Father, and therefore he judged by that word. And I knew God was telling me, you can't do anything by your own mind. It's what you hear from me. Judge with that word. So in verse 30, the entire verse, I can, Jesus said, of my own self do nothing. As I hear, I judge. And my judgment is just because I seek not mine own will, but the will of the Father which hath sent me. One day in 1982, I was reading Second Thessalonians chapter 2, and God began opening my eyes to see things about this verse of Scripture. Starting at verse 3, Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day of the Lord 
shall not come except there come a falling away first and that man of sin be revealed the son of perdition who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God or that is worship so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God showing himself that he is God. The churches were teaching that Antichrist comes through the government of men. Tolstoy in his book War and Peace said the Russian people thought Napoleon was Antichrist. I'm sure some thought Hitler was Antichrist. I remember my aunt who went to Church of Christ saying the Pope was Antichrist. When I read this scripture, I saw that Antichrist was going to come not through the governments of men, but through the churches. And the reason he could get in was they fell away from scripture and accepted false doctrine. So that Antichrist, a spirit like the devil is a spirit, could come into the churches and rule over the scriptures in the heart of people who would not hold fast to scripture. And at that time that I read this in 1982, God said to me, the falling away are not people leaving the churches. The falling away are the churches leaving the scriptures. God was showing me the end-time apostasy that would come into the churches. Let's read this scripture once again. Let no man deceive you by any means. For that day, the coming of Jesus, it would not come. Jesus would not come back to redeem the dead in Christ and to take the people of God into heaven. He would not return until there came a falling away first in the churches. And they would fall away from scripture and set up other doctrine. And that man of sin, Antichrist, a spirit, would take over, who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God, or that is worshipped, so that he, as God, sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Two other scriptures which talk about Antichrist as a spirit and Antichrist in the churches are in 1 John chapter 2. The Apostle John talks about this, and it's very clear that he is telling his church group, Antichrist is already here in the form of individuals. There are many Antichrists that have come into the church group. 1 John chapter 2, verse 18. Little children, it is the last time. And as ye have heard 
that Antichrist shall come, even now are there many Antichrists, whereby we know that it is the last time. Now in those days, people like Paul and John were keeping control in the churches, setting up proper doctrine and holding fast to doctrine. So when these Antichrist people came into the churches that John and Paul controlled, they were unable to take over. So John explains to them in verse 19, they went out from us, but they were not of us. For had they been of us, they would no doubt have continued with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest that they were not all of us. They couldn't take over a church that John was in charge of or that Paul was in charge of. Then John very clearly identifies Antichrist as being not one man but a spirit that reigns in men. We see that in First John chapter 4, verse 3, John says, And every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. And this is that spirit of Antichrist, whereof ye have heard that it should come, and even now, already, it is in the world. At the time of John, Antichrist was already operating in the churches. Let's look at something Paul said to the elders of the church at Ephesus. Acts Chapter 20, verse 17. Paul called the elders of the church at Ephesus and gathered them together. And when they were come to him, he said unto them, Ye know from the first day that I came into Asia, after what manner I have been with you at all seasons, serving the Lord with all humility of mind, and with many tears and temptations, which befell me by the lying in wait of the Jews, and how I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you, but have showed you and have taught you publicly and from house to house, testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. And now, behold, I go bound in the Spirit unto Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me there, save that the Holy Ghost witnesseth in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions abide me. But none of these things move me, neither count I my life dear unto myself so that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry 
which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. And now behold, I know that ye all among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God shall see my face no more. Wherefore, I take you to record this day that I am pure from the blood of all men, for I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. Verse 28, Take heed therefore unto yourself and to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. For I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. Also of your own self, of the elders, shall men arise, speaking perverse things, to draw away disciples after themselves. Even among the elders at that time, Paul knew there were some of them that would rise up and speak things that were not of God that would be Antichrist in the churches. That would also be the beginning of denominations where they withdrew and set up their own doctrines, which were not doctrines of Christ. One time, Pam Paget was speaking to a Jewish woman who said she was a Christian. And the Jewish woman began to talk very excitedly about hoping to remarry after divorce. And Pam said to her, if you do this thing according to the Bible, you will commit adultery if you remarry after divorce. Pam went on to give her scriptures such as Matthew chapter 5 verse 32, Romans chapter 7 verses 2 and 3, 1 Corinthians 7 verses 10 and 11. And this Jewish woman spoke up and said, At our church, we have our own doctrine. When Pam told me this, I just screamed out, There is no doctrine for the church except the doctrine of the New Testament Bible. I was horrified. Many people in various denominations ignore when there has a conflict between scripture and their church doctrine and they accept their own church doctrine over the scripture and this is antichrist in the churches when a church group teaches a doctrine opposite to the bible I just leave that church group. You can't work with those people. They've already turned from the truth 
of the Holy Scriptures and set up something other than that which is specified for the church in the Holy Bible. When I was a young child, four or five years old, and we visited my mother's eldest sister, who was a Church of Christ member, I would often attend church with my aunt. They obviously explained to me that I could not partake of the crackers and grape juice that they passed down the aisle at the end of the Sunday morning service. They called it communion. I would watch my aunt, and she was very somber as she broke off a piece of the cracker and put it in her mouth, and as she drank the grape juice. I didn't know what it meant, but later, after I was baptized at church, I wasn't born again at the time I was baptized, but I went forward at Church of Christ and was baptized. So now I am eligible to eat the cracker and drink the grape juice. But I was always very troubled by this and very frightened and dreaded it when I saw them coming with this tray. Because there's a scripture that says to examine yourself to see whether you are worthy to eat and drink of this cracker and grape juice. Otherwise, you can eat and drink damnation to yourself. That is in 1 Corinthians 11. But I didn't know how to examine myself to see if I was worthy. This troubled me greatly before I was born again, after I joined Church of Christ and was baptized. After I was born again, I felt God explained this Lord's Supper to me. The eating and drinking of the Lord's Supper are not crackers and grape juice, it's the Word of God. It's the way we partake of the Word of God, whether we actually do that Word or we're just hearers. If we're just hearers of the Word of God, we eat and drink ourselves to damnation. But if the Word of God restructures our life and we do those scriptures, there's salvation in it. He explained this as follows to me concerning examining ourselves to see if we are worthily partaking of this. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 28. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. And what God was really saying in this is, as you eat the word of God, drink the word of God, examine yourself by the word of God. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily, eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause many are weak and sickly among you, and many die. 
See, it's as you eat and drink that word of God, examine yourself by the word of God, make appropriate changes by the word of God, apply it to your life, change the way you're living, walk according to the word of God, follow the instruction. Otherwise, you eat and drink the word of God to damnation. I met a man once who said, I never read the Bible because if I read the Bible, I would have to do it. He was closer to God than many people who attend church. For many read the Bible and hear the Bible but fail to do the instructions of the Word of God. Well, anyway, what God taught me is that this eating of crackers and drinking of grape juice is set up in the churches by natural eyes. It has no power, none whatsoever. The Word of God has great power. The Word of God is the Lord's Supper. The Word of God is communion with God. One other very important thing, 1 John chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now, why didn't they just say, in the beginning was Jesus? I used to wonder about that. And later, God explained it to me. Jesus, a man born in the flesh, came to earth and was the Son of God. But before that, he was the Word. And during that time, he was the Word. And after that time, he was the Word. And the power is in the Word. So when you see the Lord is my shepherd or you say the Lord is my shepherd, what you're really saying is the word is my shepherd. The word given by God is what I follow. When I see the word the Lord, I just automatically transfer it to the word. Many people think of it as Jesus, the man. And they put up wooden statues to rep represent Jesus and crosses and all sorts of things they can see with their natural eye. But to me, the Lord and Jesus are the word that comes down from heaven the Holy Bible, and the Word that God speaks directly to us. John chapter 4. The woman of Samaria. Jesus said, Whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst, but the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up unto everlasting life. It was the word. She said, well, where should we worship? 
our fathers worshipped in this mountain, and ye say, Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Jesus saith unto her, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh, when ye shall neither in this mountain, nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. But the hour cometh and now is, when the true worshippers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. It could be at a grocery store, it could be in a car, it can be in your home, it can be in your bedroom where you sit alone, that you are thinking of God, talking to God, worshiping God by doing the word of God. It is the word of God that has power. And that is the Lord's Supper that he gives us continually by the Holy Spirit who lives in us. Don't you know the Holy Spirit lives in us? Paul said in 1 Corinthians 3.16, What? Know ye not that the Spirit of God lives in you? The Spirit of God is the Spirit of Jesus, the Holy Spirit, given to every believer after they hear the Word of God and believe the Word of God. Ephesians chapter 1. Start at verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the Beloved, in whom we have redemption, through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace, wherein he hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known unto us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he hath purposed in himself that in the dispensation of the fullness of time he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will, that we should be the praise of his glory, who first trusted in Christ. Verse 13, In whom ye also trusted, after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, 
after that ye believed, ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of his glory. It is the Holy Spirit in us which confirms us to ourselves and to other Christians who have the Holy Spirit. And because of that Holy Spirit of Jesus in us, we know that we are one of God. Thank you for allowing me to share with you today.